All right, welcome to the Eccentric Podcast Network. This is another quick dip between the deep dives. My name is Josh. And I'm Dave. All right, Dave, uh, this is one of our uh, quick dip podcasts. We promise that we'll have another deep dive available soon. Uh, we got some stuff in the works for you, but we wanted to just check in on this lovely, what will be a Monday afternoon. Uh, so what are we talking about today, David? Uh, first thing we're going to talk about uh, that we have on our sheets is the Halloween movie being the second highest grossing opening weekend for October uh, for any type of horror film, which is, I think is pretty crazy, but I also think it's pretty well deserved for a movie that we just talked about in our last uh, quick dip as being a, a wonderful follow-up to the original Halloween movie. Yep, uh, I'm not uh, very surprised that it did so well at the box office. Uh, I think people were ready for this movie. I think that uh, it was so well reviewed that people that were on the fence they were going to get out there uh, to the theaters and see it. And I think you mentioned that uh, you mentioned that it's the second highest grossing for a female lead. Correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, um, I think that just shows the power of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, I think everybody likes her and um, you know, appreciates that. You know, geez, after you know forty years, you know she's still kicking and making good movies. So, just as we wrap up our conversations on Halloween, uh, do you think they're going to do another one? I can see them doing another one uh, because we, as we previously discussed in the the last quick dip, I think that it leaves the uh, ending open for an ambiguous type of uh, either it could go with the uh, late characters becoming the bad guys or Jason, uh, not Jason, I'm sorry, uh, Michael Myers still existing mm-hmm. uh, because he, we never see if he dies or not. So I can see him uh, making a sequel to this, especially with as well as this movie is done. I hope they don't do another one. Um, I, I think that they did such a good job of potentially wrapping up the story, but it's hard for studios to, to, to move away, you know, from titles like this when they you know rake in that kind of money. Uh, because next weekend is, for all intents and purposes, Halloween weekend. It is. So it's probably going to do even better. Right. Uh, or it, at least it you know, won't have a major drop-off uh, the way some might expect on a second weekend. So anything else you want to cover on Halloween? Uh, no. I just uh, still want to sing his praises, though, because I still oh, think yeah. it's one of the greatest. Uh, it's one of the, been one of the best movies I've seen this year. Uh, I've thought about it every day yeah. on some level since I mean, then. And um, I'm excited to see it again at some point. Uh, just a good, good horror movie. Uh, so uh, we're going to move on to uh, some video game news for you. Uh, it was announced, I believe, yesterday that uh, Days Gone, the uh, zombie survival uh, PS4 exclusive, is going to be pushed back to, I believe, April 2019. That's right. Yeah, it was uh, originally February 22nd, and then they pushed it back another couple of months, uh, I guess, for whatever they need to do to polish it up. How do you feel about this right now? I mean, because I wasn't excited whenever I saw it announced at E3 to begin with, because I felt like the kind of like the zombie shamaner had kind of died off anyway. And now Sony's pushing back a, a game here that's that doesn't really seem like it's that captivating to begin with. Yeah, I think that um, either two years ago or a year and a half or whenever I first saw it, you know, maybe even longer ago, uh, that it seemed really cool that I kind of like that almost Sons of Anarchy meets The Last of Us type feel that it seems to be going for. Uh, but they've waited so long on this uh, that it's going to be brushing up against The Last of Us. And you know that's kind of one of their tentpole uh, exclusives that they have. And uh, I, I could see it being delayed again if uh, The Last of Us is ready to ship uh, in uh, the spring. Yeah, it's quite possible that could happen. Or the summer, like it's supposed to. Yeah. Because you have almost, uh, I think I've even seen a a Game Informer article that referred to it as Last of Us Light. Yeah. So it's like you missed your window. Um, 
you, but that's the thing now uh, in the, the video game industry is that there really isn't a good window for releasing something anymore because obviously October to uh, the end of the year is tight because all the uh, holiday releases and then the games that don't come out around that time come out around the uh, spring, summer, or even early fall. So they they really should just hang on to it and put it out with the PS5. Yeah, at this point, it seemed like it would be the more advantageous thing to be able to do than hold it on to for the PS4. But it could also be a, a good late-release late title. Uh, I mean, we had like God of War on the PS2 that was really good, The Last of Us for the PS3 that was really good. You know, it's late 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 releases for these these console gens so i can see it as a holiday uh game for next year yeah um because they've already released god of war uh they released detroit become human uh they put out spider-man so the last big one at least as far as i know would be the last of us so i think you can uh, afford to release the last of us in the spring and then maybe put days gone you'll kind of brush it up against Thanksgiving. Right, because you don't definitely don't want to put them up against each other no, because they're, they're we, we know similar. The Last of Us, yeah. Um, and it won't confuse anybody. People will know The Last of Us is a better game probably. Yeah. So uh, always interesting that when games get delayed, you just hope that the, 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 the development team is able to push through and put out a good product. Um, so it's a little bit more uh, video game news. We uh, weren't very excited for this game, but uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 came out. And um, I think in its first few days, it did $500 million. Which is crazy, but it's to be expected with the Call of Duty game, especially with uh, its big following that it's had for years and years and years, uh, their online base. But I'm surprised that it actually hit that $500 million mark with just being strictly online only with no single player campaign. Well, it actually kind of scares me that it's doing so well you know, without the, the campaign. It's because it's showing companies that we don't need that single player campaign to be successful. Exactly. Um, I always thought Call of Duty... You'll put out a, a solid, you know, five to six hour experience every year. Um, uh, probably not worth sixty dollars alone. Um, of course, if you're going to play everything, it's you know, it's a good uh, title to spend your money on. But for somebody like me that mostly enjoys the campaigns and enjoys that you know tight tight shooting that they offer, um, it's kind of upsetting. You well, know, that nobody cares. I can kind of see where they they substituted the single-player campaign for the Battle Royale, though, especially with all these games like PUBG and Fortnite being as popular as they are. I mean, that's kind of the way that the multiplayer experience was was being shifted to, at least for, for these couple of years. I know it'll eventually burn out. Everybody will get tired of it, uh, just like they did with like the survival uh, multiplayer that they had a couple of years back. Uh, this is just kind of a fad, but I, I can see why they would want to substitute one for the other and just kind of try something new. Well, do you think that uh, they're looking at uh, titles like God of War or um, Spider-Man PS4 or some of the other more story-driven games and thinking, well, they're putting in all this money and all this time and we're still just putting on a multiplayer game and you know, we're one of, the, one of the biggest names on the block still. Do you think they just see it as a waste of their resources? Well, that's what Infinity Ward and Treyarch's good at, though. I mean, they're they're good at their gameplay at multiplayer. They kind of set the precedent for being able to play online uh, World War Two Advanced Warfighter games online for competitive play. Uh, it's you don't necessarily play Call of Duty games for the single player experience. It's nice to have. Switch at some point. No, I think that uh, they'll they'll never touch the Switch. Just like we had the uh, it was 
Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified for the Vita, it, it had to take away so much for it to be able to work on a different type of platform. Granted, the, the Switch is a great platform and it's fully functional. It's just that it's not it's underpowered compared to, to what the current-gen consoles are. Well, I, I guess the problem, too, is that if you want to compare the Fortnite on the Switch, it, the Fortnite is free. Well, well, so well it, even the Fortnite one is, is the mobile version, though. Right. That's what I mean. So it would be weird for them to do a scaled down version and then offer it for free when on the on the other consoles there's your sixty dollar entry fee. Right. So um, you know that's interesting. You know, I, I hope it's not a trend that keeps going forever because I'm sure that their next game will probably have a campaign. You know because it's probably been worked. They've had it in the works for several oh, years. I'm sure. So yeah, absolutely. It's not like they're just making these decisions at the drop. Well, of I could see them also releasing DLC as like a single player campaign too later on. We always have seen uh, season passes for all these games. I mean, something's got to come out for it. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with all this. Sure. Uh, so one more video game topic, and uh, we'll finish it out. Uh, so uh, Friday, uh, Rockstar releases Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, there's a little controversy surrounding the game. Uh, last week, one of the uh, founders of Rockstar uh, mentioned that some of the employees, including himself, was working um, 100 hours a week uh, in the final crunch leading up to the game. Um, as longtime gamers, I don't think that really surprised us very much that that's been going on. But, um, of course, they um, allowed uh, Rockstar employees to uh, tweet about the issue, and they uh, released some of the personnel records showing that you know, there were people working overtime, but the average person wasn't working that many hours, which, right. yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, so what's your take on it? I, I see it as being kind of a normal thing. I mean, we, we've always heard in the industry that, you know, people are always, whenever it gets down to crunch time, you're always going to be working overtime and these people are crazy, especially like uh, the the director and creator of Super Smash Brothers. I mean, he's always pushed himself to be crazy and his team pushes himself to exhaustion. So it's not like the first time we've heard it in the industry, but this, this seems to have kind of taken notice for people that are waking up and, and saying, hey, this might be kind of a big deal. So I'm kind of curious to know where what kind of direction it's going to go in, whether or not I have any repercussions. Well, an interesting thing, too, is that they've been working on this game for years, seven years or yeah, so. years and years. So it, it's not like they made a decision like, oh, in three years, we're going to publish this game. You know, that's been going for a long time now. So and that's what a responsible company does. Um, so just to celebrate Red Dead 2 coming out, I know I'm buying the game. I'm sure you'll check out the game when you're uh, here to work on the podcast yes. and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, let's talk about the uh, Game Informer article just released today, ranking all of the Rockstar games that have uh, previously been released. Okay. Um, what was interesting to me, I didn't know they had published 23 games. Uh, what I forgot about some of their other series, such as Midnight Club, uh, Red Dead Revolver, uh, Bully. Yes. Um, so we're just going to go through the top 10 and maybe spend a little more time in the on the top five. It won't be long here. Okay. Let me get this article pulled up. Um, let's see. And, and then there was still DMA Designs, too, that was out there. So they had, like, uh, Tune Racing, uh, Grand Grand Tune Racing. Don't quote me on whatever the, the, the title of that game was. It was on PlayStation. Uh, but they, they had games that were out previously before that, before they were actually called Rockstar. So I'd actually be interested to know if those were, were worked in, where they would fall in the list as well. But hmm. I know they wouldn't be in the top ten that we're going to mention here, but just a little quick aside on that. Right. And it would be interesting to see you know, uh, where some of that falls and, uh, you know, most of these big companies, there's a company before the company. Yep. So there's always a second uh, level of history there. Uh, so number 10 is The Warriors, uh, which is based off of uh, the movie The, uh, the Warriors. 
uh, released in 2005 on PS4, PS2, Xbox, and PSP. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that a game you remember? Oh, yeah. I played through the whole thing, and I thought it was a great uh, interpretation of the movie. Uh, I mean, they, they kind of captured the the look, the feel, and, and everything that there was about the Warriors. It played a lot like GTA, but it, it kind of was more on a linear path to, to kind of hit these important parts for the scenes. Uh, that were in the movie. If you've seen the Warriors and you play the game, you kind of see the correlation between the two, and they they hit each other. They complemented each other pretty well. All right, uh, number nine is Max Payne three, which uh, we played Max Payne one and two. Were one and two not Rockstar games? No, one and two were take take two. They were. I think they were published by. I don't know. I don't know. They're not on the I don't, don't want to say yes or no. They might have been uh, not Rockstar Games properties then published they, by them. They might have been Take-Two Interactive. Take-Two Interactive, yeah. Okay, that would make sense. Yes. Um, I think we're in the camp that thought Max Payne 3 was slightly underrated. I, I totally. Uh, that's the way I feel. I'm, I like number two as well, though. I thought number two was great, even though I don't, don't hear as many people say that they play it. Number three was phenomenal, though, just the way it was told. Uh, number three was released in 2012 on PS3, Xbox 360, PC, and Mac. Yes. Feels like more than six years ago. It, it does, yeah. Uh, number eight is Manhunt, released in 2003 on PS4. And that must be, and it says, huh, PS4, PS2, Xbox, and PC. It it's because it was re-released. Uh, okay. So they, they have like their classic titles on the PS4 that you can go, and what they did is they updated them with uh, higher resolution graphics and trophy support. So that's why it says that it's on the, uh, the PS4. Uh, Rockstar had a, uh, a bevy of different titles that they released uh, that where they did that type of treatment. They gave it 1080p, high resolution, trophy support, and just so you could play on modern consoles. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, I never played Manhunt. Um, uh, was never one that appealed to me, but it, it definitely carried that lineage of the dark and gritty titles that they were known for. Right. Uh, seven is Grand Theft Auto 4, uh, released in 2008. Also feels like it's been longer than 10 years. I know, man. Uh, for uh, PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. Now, this uh, is referring to um, this title as the black sheep of the Grand Theft Auto main entries. I thought it was pretty, it's, pretty it's, big. Um, and, you know. I'm quoting this uh, Game Reporter article as the fourth entry was universally beloved on release, but when presented against the other entries in the series... Most people seem to think it never matches up to the lively settings of San Andreas, Vice City, Los Santos, or the importance of three. Well, I can kind of see that because it came out during that gritty period of, of like games that are you know more darker tone, grays, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit more. It's more subdued, and, and yeah. you know that setting was meant to be more subdued. Right. It was meant to feel a little bit more like, uh, <laughs> more like Goodfellas than Casino. Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, but I. I would say that that game set the standard for everything we're still experiencing 10 years later as far as the scope totally. and uh, the size of the maps that we're playing and the depth of the characters. Uh, so I'm a little surprised to see it quite so low. Uh, number six is Bully, released in 2006 on PS4, PS2, Xbox, PC, and mobile. I would have said they came out way before Grand Theft Auto 4. But it's what it's it was released before Grand Theft Auto 4. Was it? Wait, what year did you yeah, say? Yeah, it says 2006. 2006, okay. Grand Theft Auto 4 was 2008. Okay, yeah, so I guess it was just kind Two of years, that lull in between much. it. So, uh, Bully was a great game. I only played a couple of a couple hours on it, but everybody that says they've gone through it and finished it, I mean, kind of gets you the ideal and the feeling of being, you know, part of a high school and you can do whatever you want to. I just remember a lot of controversy behind it because they, they said that you were pretty much going to be a bully whenever it was actually the other way around where you were trying to be the, uh, the hero in the game hmm. versus being the bad guy. Well, I, I know that there's always a clamor for uh, additional content or HD remaster or 
um, a sequel or something, but we never quite got there with this one. I with Bully? Know. Yeah. Oh, there was a release on the Xbox 360, and then there was a release on uh, PC, uh, which updated the the graphics. Now, they, they, they gave it some other subtitle to it. Just minor updates to it, but I don't mm. think you can play it on anything modern. Well, no, I'll take that back. Take that back. You can play it on the Xbox One. You can play the Xbox 360 version on the Xbox One. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, I've never played it uh, other than maybe for a few minutes at a friend's house, so I, so I may have to dive into it here. Uh, so number five, uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Uh, this title was famous for uh, kind of the um, character's habits, you know, changing their appearance. Now, if you, if you create your character and you worked out more, you got more slim or buff, and if you just went and ate pizza, uh, your character got uh, bigger and fatter. Yeah, I thought that was always interesting. Um, that's actually something they're going to do in the new Red Dead game. Really? Uh, so if you if you want to survive, you have to go eat. Hmm. Uh, you if you want to attract people to you, you have to uh, bathe. Uh, all kinds of interesting stuff. Hmm. So I think they're setting this game up for the long haul, uh, where you're going to be playing and you know for a couple of years. That's hopefully. what it sounds like, yeah. Yep. Uh, so San Andreas is number five, and of course you return to San Andreas <clears throat> in Grand Theft Auto Five, which we'll be talking about here in a minute. Uh, Grand Theft Auto Three, that's probably the one that's considered to have started it all, right? Yeah, that's the one that everybody kind of was in all about because they actually brought the open world 3D setting. Uh, I just remember everybody losing their mind whenever it came out. There wasn't anything like it. Uh, if you try to go back and play it now, it's so antiquated uh, in controls and the way that, you know, blocky characters, there's just a lot of just different mechanics that don't work out. But for what it to, to do, to be, be able to create such a big board, uh, a big map, and so everything was like free roam and you could do whatever you want to whenever you wanted to, it's pretty amazing at that time. Well, the next one we have on the list is uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Uh, released in 2002, uh, so 16 years ago. Oh, man. On, uh, and you can play that on PS4, PS3, PS2, Xbox, PC, and mobile. I actually have it on my PS4. Um, I would say this is where Grand Theft Auto really dripped into like the cultural lexicon. Into the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where it kind of had that uh, Scarface-tinged 80s feel. Uh, I had um, you know, music from Michael Jackson uh, and the Thriller album on the soundtrack. Uh, it's had that cool vibe, and I think you and I both agree that that's where Grand Theft Auto should go back to, probably. Uh, I feel like it will, and in, in, in six, uh, and just a note on that too. I remember always seeing the TV promos where it was a uh, flock of seagulls. Uh, Iran. Oh it was, yeah, it was always the biggest oh, yes. promos you know that were out there. That was uh, that was massive. Yes, it was. Uh, so number two uh, on the list is Red Dead Redemption. Um, I think that this is other than Grand Theft Auto, which everybody likes Grand Theft Auto on some level. But I think Red Dead Redemption is a very well-remembered game uh, for the depth of the characters and the story. <clears throat> and also, they've made some great updates to it since it's you know been released, uh, where it still looks great on your 4K TV. I think I mentioned to you earlier today, off mic, that um, when you play it on a new TV, it looks better than some of the current games that are out. Oh, it does, yeah. And it came out in 2010. Yeah, it's really impressive what they could do with the engine. Uh, and of course, uh, this is the... Uh, first step in the Red Dead series and um, Red Dead 2 will actually be a prequel to this game. Right. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of people are still excited about that series. And of course, uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 is our, is in our number one spot. Uh, talk about being part of pop culture. Um, Grand Theft Auto 5 is actually the largest entertainment product in history. Uh, that title alone raked in $6 billion. Which blows my mind. 
Uh, it's been on so many different ty- uh, systems. I mean, it's spanned across two different types of generations. You have people that are still playing it day in and day out. But that's to be attributed to the uh, wonderful, robust GTA Online that was released uh, side by side with it. And they also made an amazing bet to release Grand Theft Auto V at the end of the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 era. And then almost immediately following the release of PS4 and Xbox One. Um, I don't know anybody that hasn't bought the game at least once. And most people I know have bought it two or three times. Uh, I can say that I've bought it at least four times. I bought it three times. Yeah. So uh, I think that's how you get to a $6 billion mark. Um, so I would say Grand Theft Auto Five is probably my number one. But I've also put about 75 to 80 hours into it. Um, I, it would be disingenuous to put Red Dead at number one for me. Even though I, I really enjoy what I play of the game. But I never beat it. Right. But I have a feeling Red Dead Redemption 2 might beat out GTA 5 for me. I hope so. It's just a feeling. You know, yeah. uh, Dave doesn't, he, he's worried. He, he doesn't <laughs> think it's going to work out for me. He thinks <laughs> that there's too many hours to play. Yeah. Uh, so what's your favorite? Uh, Vice City, uh, hands down. Uh, I didn't play it on the PS2 whenever it came out, but whenever the double pack came out on the Xbox, that was my, my go-to game. They could probably make another billion dollars if they did a Grand Theft Auto uh, Vice City remastered. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the setting, I love the music, I love everything about it. Just decadence. If they just put, you know, that story and that setting through the GTA Five graphics filter, mm-hmm. it'd be another billion dollars, and they wouldn't have to do anything else. Absolutely. Um, so we have a special topic that you want to uh, uh, finish up with. Uh, so uh, let's get into that real quick. Okay. All right. Here's what I want to touch on. Uh, there is a re-release of a great album by Massive Attack. Uh, I'm sorry, Massive Attack. That's called Mezzanine. Uh, they are releasing it on their their 20th anniversary. Uh, it's if anybody's watched House MD, the main theme is Teardrop. It's uh, so that's the band that you hear. There's actually lyrics to go with that song if you listen to it. It's, it's a fantastic album uh, if you kind of like the down tempo kind of electronica sound. Uh, came out a really cool time. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. But here's what they're gonna do. There's gonna be a a special release of the album that's going to be put into a matte black spray can. Uh, and each spray can is going to contain 1 million albums that are encoded on DNA. So you're you're literally going to get 1 million copies of this album in one can. You can spray it wherever you want to. Let's say you want to do some graffiti. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to you want to you want to spray up your wall and be like, hey, look, I just used like two, you know, two thousand of my my albums here and there. So. Well, this is one of those stories where you read the headline and you're like, what the fuck did I just read? <laughs> um, so, put it mildly, I'm not quite as pumped about this as you are. Oh, I thought it was. Great. I think it's cool. I think they should have done it on Record Store Day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that'll be something to, to look for. Maybe you'll get that for Christmas or something. Uh, that, I think it, I thought it was awesome. No, they will be releasing the album too on regular vinyl and CD and digital platforms uh, a month later. But uh, right now they're just going to be releasing it in the spray can. So yeah, I'm not sure the Spotify version will do it justice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, knowing that's out there on the market. Uh, so uh, you wanted to wrap us up, didn't you? That's right. And I want to ask all the listeners out there. Let's say that you wanted to be able to save something in a spray can, uh, that you wanted to be able to encode whatever piece of data that you wanted to. We're just going to play a little little game here to see if maybe somebody will give us some responses. If we don't, then we won't even mention it on the next episode. Uh, but if there was something that you wanted to put on a spray can to be able to encode in DNA, what would it be? Uh, I, I, 
uh, personally myself, I would probably put my, my top 10 albums that I had. Just, I mean, it's going to be a cliche that I've got here uh, because it, it is actually an album that's in it right now, but it's a million copies of the same thing. Uh, if I could have, you know, so that spread it across, you know, 100,000 each one, then that would probably be a little bit better. Uh, but that, that's what I would take. What, what do you think that you would put into it? I don't know. And that's, I've never really thought about it. Maybe we can open the, the next show with that response. Okay. How about that? All right. That sounds good, man. So, all right. All right. So this was another dip between the deep dives. My name is Josh. And I'm Dave. Talk to you next week. Thanks. <laughs>